Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Christopher assisting me today. We are the commandment. <clears throat> we are the commandment keepers church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson will be a jealous God, a jealous God, brothers and sisters. Yes, we did say jealous. Now, let us help you with that understanding, because envy is the emotion of coveting what someone else has. Jealousy is the emotion related to fear that something that you have will be taken away by somebody else. So jealousy and envy are different things, brothers and sisters, even though many people utilize those, those particular words interchangeably. There's a starch difference. Jealousy is when something you have is involved. Envy is when you're coveting something that does not belong to you, brothers and sisters. So the title of today's lesson a jealous God. We're going to Ezekiel, the third chapter. We're going to have Brother Christopher read verses 1 through 9. Please follow us there. <clears throat> Ezekiel 3, verse 1. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So here it was. He told Ezekiel to eat this roll or this scroll, brothers and sisters. Here it is. We're this is a vision. Verse 2. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Now, brothers and sisters, this symbolical action of eating the scroll or the roll teaches us that what? Ezekiel would deliver God's words, not his own. Do you see this? He's saying, eat the word of God. Eat the scrolls. Read, read three one more time, Brother Christopher. Verse three. <clears throat> and he said unto me, son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Now listen, brothers and sisters, closely continue. Then did I eat and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. It was what, brother? It was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. So when he ate and digested this scroll, it was like sweetness, brothers and sisters. Just like the truth. When you finally get the truth, it's, it's sweet, it's tasty, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 4. And he said unto me. What did he say? Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel. Go to Israel. And speak with my words unto them. So here it was. First he told him to eat the scroll. Digest what it is that I'm teaching you and then go. See that, brothers and sisters? So first you have to study. First you have to ingest it. First you have to learn. Then you go. Too many people want to go before they've ingested, brothers and sisters. Could you read four one more time, brother? Ezekiel 3, verse 4. And he said unto me. What did he say? Son of man. Go, get thee into the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. Now look at that. Not only are we to receive God's words, but we are also to deliver it faithfully to the children of Israel. Verse 5. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech, and of an hard language. He said, I'm not sending you to the Gentiles, but to the house of Israel. But to who, brother? But to the house of Israel. Not too many people of a strange speech and of a hard language 
whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. Surely what, brother? Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. Look at that, brothers and sisters. According to the text, God's word is more accepted by heathens than us. He said, I'm sending you to the children of Israel, not to people of a strange speech, meaning somebody who speaks a different language than us at this time. He said, I'm sending you to Israelites, okay? And if I would have sent you to Gentiles, they would have listened already. But for some reason, my people don't want to hear this. For some reason, brothers and sisters, when we tell our people, well, listen, you're God's chosen people. They, you should see their face. It's like it's something repugnant about it. I'm like, what is wrong with being a, you know, a child of Israel? It's like our people will reject being God's chosen people. If you went to the Chinese people or you went to the Muslims or you went to the white people, brothers and sisters, they would have gladly accepted this. But there's something in our people. Read 6 one more time, please, brother. Ezekiel 3, verse 6. Not too many people of a strange speech and have a hard language. I didn't send you to people of a hard language. Whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. They would have listened. But the house of Israel would not hearken unto thee. For they would not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. So, brothers and sisters, Ezekiel was warned at the outset of his ministry that the people would not listen to him. The Most High said, they're not going to listen to you because they don't listen to me. Read verse 7 one more time, brother. Ezekiel 3, verse 7. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. They won't listen to you, Ezekiel. For they will not hearken unto me. Because they don't even listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Continue, brother. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Now, brothers and sisters, their foreheads symbolizes their minds. So their minds are so closed off, they will not accept things delivered for their benefit. Like goats that headbutt, you know, <laughs> that butt heads, unwilling to yield. That's what he's talking about. When he's talking about the, a hard forehead, like, like a stone. Could you read verse 9 one more time, brother? Verse 9. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks. Though they be a rebellious house. So he said, listen, the, the, the looks that our people give, you know, brothers and sisters, our people can never hide their, you know, how they feel is written all over their face. The most I was telling Ezekiel, do not let them, you know, don't let them deter you. Okay. I'm going to make your face just as hard as theirs. Okay. So here it was. This was the most High telling us that we go as hard just as we went as hard for Satan, brothers and sisters. Do not be deterred. Do not be afraid. He didn't give us the spirit of fear, brothers and sisters, okay? So here it was. He told Ezekiel, you're going to meet resistance. But you may, if they give you looks, you give them the looks of seriousness that God is not playing, okay? So here it was. He's telling Ezekiel at the beginning. Here it is. Ezekiel, the third chapter, at the beginning of his ministry, brothers and sisters, he's telling him. This is what you can expect, okay? 
This is what you can expect. Hostility. Your people will give you hostility for telling them that they're chosen. Okay? Let us, let us go to Deuteronomy 6 and 15. Follow us to the Torah, brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter, the 15th verse. Deuteronomy 6, verse 15. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Read that one more time, brethren. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee, and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Brother, the, brothers and sisters, the text shows us that there's a close correlation between his jealousy, his anger, and his destruction. Could you read that again, Brother Christopher? Verse 15. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee. Now, look at this. It, first, it talked about jealousy. Then it talks about anger. Read that from the top, brother, please. Verse 15. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. A jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee. The anger. And destroy thee from off the face of the earth. And what, brother? And destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. Absolute extermination is threatened by the fire of his jealousy. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Our God will endure no co-rivals. That's what the text is showing. Look at it closely. He's a jealous God. That means anger, <laughs> brothers and sisters. And his anger, his, his anger brings forth wrath, brothers and sisters. Okay? See, we're going to get to learn the Most High a little bit because the Christian church have taught us that God is a butler, that he's some candy cane God, that he's there to serve you. Today, we'll learn the truth, brothers and sisters. And see, this is exactly why they don't want you in the Old Testament. This is exactly why <laughs> they say, well, no, that God in the Old Testament was different. He was angry. No, the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God in the New Testament. In the Old Testament is where you learned his fear, okay? So we're showing you that these traits here are what? There's a correlation with these traits and how the Most High feels currently about most of our people, brothers and sisters. Let us show you what jealousy brings, brothers and sisters. Godly jealousy, that is. Let's go to Song of Solomon. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to Song of Solomon, the 8th chapter, the 6th and 7th verse. Let's talk a little bit about jealousy, brothers and sisters. Song of Solomon, 8 verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart. Read that one more time, brother. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. Now, brothers and sisters, in ancient Hebraic culture, a seal represents ownership okay can you read that one more time verse six set me as a seal upon thine heart as a seal upon thine arm now look at this brothers and sisters using the seal in this sense is analogous to a wedding ring see okay this seal is just like a wedding ring a wedding brand means i belong to somebody that's what this seal is continue brother for love is strong as death Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire. 
which hath a most vehement flame. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. The author shows that true love is personal and possessive. The author shows that true love is protective. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 6, please. Song of Solomon 8, verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. It tells you that the Most High's love and jealousy is like a vehement flame. So the Most High's love is passionate. That's what it's showing us here, brothers and sisters. See? That, and then re read the first part one more time, brother. Verse 6. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm. Look at this part. For love is strong as death. For love is strong as death. Brothers and sisters, just as death is permanent, so is love. This is what the Most High is showing us here. You see this? So with love comes all of this <laughs> that we're seeing, okay? With ownership, okay, comes love and jealousy and passion. See, all this come with God's love, brothers and sisters, okay? Continue. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. Now look at that. What is he showing us? He's showing us that the Most High's love is persevering, brothers and sisters. Do you see that? Many waters cannot quench love, true love. Verse 7, many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Do you see that the Most High's love is priceless and precious? It says if a man would give all the substance of his house for love, <laughs> it would be contemned. So look at that, brothers and sisters. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly scorned. Do you see this? We're showing you this is what comes with the love of God, brothers and sisters. See? God's jealousy tolerates no rivals. If we examine the text closely, we see that jealousy here is a positive virtue, brothers and sisters. See? See? Song of Solomon is about a relationship, brothers and sisters. It's poetry about a man and a woman. And we're showing you that the same thing that applies in this particular book applies to how the Most High feel about you and I, brothers and sisters. See? So you can say you love God and that God loves you. Yes, he loves you, but this is what comes with it. Because Christians have learned that God's love is something else than what it really is. They're only taught one facet of love. And that's very deceptive, brothers and sisters. You have to carefully read the Bible. We, I mean, too many times, brothers and sisters, we just skim through the Bible. We're very, you know, when you skim or when you skim through it, brothers and sisters, you miss a lot of the beauty contained in the literature. Let's go to let's go to Proverbs, brother, because we're talking about jealousy. The jealousy of the Most High God. We're going to Proverbs, the 6th chapter, the 34th verse. 
What does that say, Brother Christopher? Proverbs 6, verse 34. For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Mm. Brothers and sisters, here the author shows that marital jealousy is not sin. It's part of love and possession. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 34. For jealousy is the rage of a man. For what, brother? For jealousy is the rage of a man. Here the author magnifies the raging wrath of a jealous husband. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. See, so the text gives an indication of the indignation of a husband in his jealousy. <laughs> See, now, if this affects a man and man was made in God's image, I mean, what are we learning here? This prognostication should be a warning. If God has the complete, excuse me, if he has to compete for our allegiance, okay? <laughs> for jealousy is the rage. So when a man, a husband becomes jealous, nothing good is going to come from that, okay? That's what the scripture is showing here, okay? Let's go to Psalms 99 and 4, Brother Christopher. A jealous God, because we're learning about the Most High God today. We've been taught that he's somebody else, so we have to get to know him again. Psalms 99, verse 4. What's that say, brother? The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executeth judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at it closely. Can you read that again? Verse 4. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. He established what? Thou dost establish equity. The Most High is no arbitrary ruler, brothers and sisters. His reign is equitable and just. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. See, so all the acts of the Most High's administration tend to the establishment of what is right. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, please, brother, before we move on. Psalms 99 verse 4. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. See, so the Most High is just and equitable in all of his proceedings, brothers and sisters. You're learning about that. The Most High is equitable, okay? Now, if it doesn't work out in your benefit, you may not think that. But the scripture, the literature says otherwise, brothers and sisters. So you have to, when you read something in the Bible, you have to... Conform your mind to what you're reading and not what you think, brothers and sisters. That's the only way this relationship works with the Most High, okay? Even if you don't feel something, if the Bible contains that, if that's contained in the literature, then you now must retrain your mind to believe what it is you're reading, brothers and sisters, okay? Let's go to First Peter, brother. First Peter, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. A jealous God, brothers and sisters. We're going to learn about the Most High today. We're going to get to know him. 1 Peter 4, verse 17. What's that say, brother? For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Begin where? Begin at the house of God. So here we see that disciplinary judgment begins from God's own people. And if it first begin at us... What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So look at that, brothers and sisters. The Most High begins his governmental administration by his disciplinary judgment over his own. 
Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 17. 1 Peter 4, verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Read that part again, brother. And if the righteous scarcely be saved... Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So, brothers and sisters, we're reading the proof that we will face disciplinary action for stepping out of fellowship with the Most High God. Now, read 18 one more time, brother, because I need the brothers and sisters to actually catch this. Verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The operative word is scarcely. Brothers and sisters, that means bloodline alone is not enough for us to obtain the promise. It will not be a deciding factor. And I'm speaking to Israelites right now. If the righteous scarcely be saved. So why would the righteous be scarcely saved if we're all, you know, because I'm black or or I'm Hispanic and native that I'm getting in. And I'm just designated righteous. Righteous, brothers and sisters, means right standing with God. That's what it means, okay? So he's telling you, if our people are scarcely saved, what do you think is going to happen to Gentiles? And see, now now, we're, now we open the door for Gentiles. Gentiles, look at what has transpired amongst our people. Look at what has happened to us. And if we're God's people and he was willing to do that to us, what will he do to you? See? That should be your train of thought. That should be your your mindset, Gentiles. So Gentiles are going to learn something also. Why? Because only, you know, God's people could teach Gentiles about God. Okay? Let's do that. We'll do that today. We're going to show you how judgment... We're going to show you, you know, the Most High's style of judgment. We're going to go where? Let's deal with Jacob. Let's deal with Israel, brothers and sisters. We're going to start at Jacob to show you the most highest style of judgment, brothers and sisters, Jew and Gentile. I need you to really listen closely because you're going to learn about the God of the Bible. Okay, let's go to Genesis, brother, 27 and 6, because we're going to show you the most highest style of judgment. Starting with Jacob. We're going to read uh, chapter 27, verses 6 through 16. Genesis 27, verse 6. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, What did he say? Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat. And bless thee before the Lord before my death. So Rebekah is speaking to our father Jacob. Saying I heard your father Isaac telling Esau to bring some venison. Right? So he could be so so he could bless Esau. Continue brother. Verse 8. Now therefore my son obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Rebekah is saying son follow what I say. Verse 9. Go now to the flock. And fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. So she's telling she's telling Jacob to, listen, go get me the animals I need. I'm going to make the food. You take it to your son. Excuse me. You take it to your father so he can he can put the blessing on you. 
Verse 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother. What did he say? Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. What did he say, brother? Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. We know that Esau was the first white man, brothers and sisters. Okay? Esau, there was no such thing as a white man before Esau. Jacob was black, of course. Esau was his twin brother, his his big brother. And what did it say about Esau? Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. You can look at white men right now. They got hair all on their legs, on their back, they stump. You know, that's just who they are, and there's nothing wrong with that. Our people are, you know, more smooth, right? Continue. Verse 12. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me. And not a blessing. So, Isaac, uh, excuse me. So, Jacob said, only thing Isaac's going to have, my father's going to have to do is rub my arms or touch me. And he's going to know that I'm not Esau because I'm not hairy like Esau. Verse 13. And his mother said unto him, upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. So, she said, if something goes wrong, I will take the curse. Continue. Verse 14, and he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. Now listen to this closely, brothers and sisters. Verse 15, what, chap what book and chapter are you at, brother? Genesis 27, verse 15, and Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands. Read that again. What did she put on him, brother? Verse 16. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. She put goat skin, the, the hair on his neck, right? On his hands and arms. It was, remember what this was, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 16. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. So it was goats that were used to deceive Isaac by Jacob, right? All right, we're going to show you this style of judgment, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Genesis 27 and 19. Let's uh, jump down a few verses. Genesis 27 verse 19. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou obeyedest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Verse 21, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee. That I may feel thee. That what? That I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, 
Bring it near to me. He, re, start that. Read that again, brother, from the top. Genesis 27, verse 23. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother's hands Esau. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now, brothers and sisters, this was our father, Jacob, receiving these blessings. So these are all the blessings that are supposed to come to us, that will come to us, brothers and sisters. Esau knows this, okay? It said, let people... Read 29 one more time, please, brother. Genesis 27, verse 29. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Curse be everyone that curseth thee. And blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise, and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, What did Isaac say? Who art thou? He said, Who is this? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yeah, and he shall be blessed. He said, I've blessed him and he will be blessed. <laughs> See? He couldn't pull this blessing back, brothers and sisters, because it was divine. So even though he knew that he was bamboozled, he was hoodwinked, he said, he will be blessed. There's nothing I can do about that, okay? So here was, we see that our father, under the direction of our mother, right? Because remember, the Most High had already told our mother that the elder should serve the younger. She then began to try to help God's plan, brothers and sisters. And that's many times that we do that. God is telling you, this is what I'm going to do for you. And then we start putting our hands in it to try to help God as if God needs help. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Genesis 29 and 16. Because we're showing you the Most High's style of judgment. It first started with our father... Um, doing something unnecessary. What do we mean by unnecessary? There was a promise given to Abraham. 
that Jacob would receive the promise without him having to go in and, you know, um, act as if he was our older brother Esau. He didn't really need to do that. But let us show you the style of judgment. Let's read Genesis 29, 16 through 27. Listen closely, please. Genesis 29, verse 16. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So Jacob loved Rachel, the younger daughter. He said, I'll work seven years for this girl. Verse 19. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee, than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. He said, it's better for her to be given to you. I know your family, right? Because they're really family here. Brothers and sisters, uh, he said then to give her to another man. Only thing you have to do is abide here. Stay with me. Verse 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. He worked seven years. He said it was it was over in the blink of an eye. I love this one. Verse 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening, that he took Leah his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. Now look at this. Read 23 one more time, brother. Genesis 29, verse 23. And it came to pass in the evening, that he took Leah his daughter. He, he took who? That he took Leah, his daughter. He took the eldest and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, What did Laban say? It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. To do what? To give the younger before the firstborn. Continue. Fulfill her week. And we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. So he said, Work another seven years because we're in my country, we don't give the, the younger before the elder. That's not our culture. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Laban concealed an identity to deceive Jacob in the darkness. Jacob did the same thing. He concealed his identity to receive the blessing. See, so the Most High was here confronting Jacob about his sin. Brothers and sisters, remember, Jacob substituted himself, the younger son, in place of the older, his big brother Esau. So now the tables have turned. Laban has given him the older daughter when he was expecting the younger. You see that, brothers and sisters? So we're showing you the most high style of judgment, right? Was Jacob right to, you know, to, to act as if he was Esau? He was not. Nevertheless, he received the blessing, which he would have received anyway, because the promise was made unto Abraham. 
So a lot of times we start putting our hands on things and saying, you know, I need to help God. Who else did that? Sarah. Sarah did the same thing. <laughs> saying, you know what? God said I should, I'm going to have a child, but you know what? I'm going to give him my handmaid. I'm going to give him Hagar. So sisters really have to be careful with this. Sisters really have to be careful with trying to do God's job. All of us, but especially sisters, because we have much evidence in the Bible where sisters try to control things and say, well, you know what? I don't see how it's going to happen. So let me, you know, help out God. I know he, you know, he woke me up this morning and, and put breath in me and all that, but he needs help with this. So you have to be very, very careful, brothers and sisters. We're showing you the style of judgment that the Most High uses. Esau, excuse me, Jacob acted as if he was Esau to receive a blessing that he would have received anyway. And here it was, Laban pulled a fast one on him and said, well, listen, I know you work for seven years, but, you know, it's against it's against how we do things here to give the younger daughter before the eldest. See, now the Most High is not done here. You're learning about the Most High. You're learning about his style and judgment. Let's go to Genesis 37, brother. Let's go to Genesis 37, brothers and sisters. I really want you to, to see something here. We're going to read Genesis 27, excuse me, 37 and verse 23. Let's do that. Genesis 37, verse 23. And it came to pass. When Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Now, remember, remember, Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was his favorite, right? Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. Jump to verse 28 because we're showing you where we are. Now Joseph, uh, Jacob is grown. Jacob is grown now, right? He has grown children. Read verse 28. Genesis 37 verse 28. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen. And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. For 20 pieces of silver. Read that from the top, brother, please. Verse 28. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. So now, look, his brothers hated him because, the, because their father loved him most, right? So they stripped him of his jacket. They stripped him of his coat of many colors, right? And now they've sold him. And guess who? Guess whose idea it was to sell him? Judah. Judah had the idea to sell him into slavery. And what happened to Judah? Slavery, right? Jump to verse 31 through 33. Because look at what they've done after they've now sold their brethren. Genesis 37 verse 31 and they took Joseph's coat so now they've taken his coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood and they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said this have we found know now whether it be thy son's coat or no 
And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Jump back up to 31 because brothers and sisters, I, I don't want you to miss this. Read 31 one more time because here it was. What did they do with his coat to deceive Jacob? Genesis 37 verse 31. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goat. Killed the what? And killed a kid of the goat. Killed a what? And killed a kid of the goats. And dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors. And they brought it to their father. And said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And what? And he knew it. And said, It is my son's coat. Now look at this. The same way that Jacob deceived his father, his sons deceived him using a slaughtered goat in their brother's garment. Just in case you forgot, let's go back to Genesis 27. Let's go to Genesis 27 and 21 because many people, I believe, overlook that. And I think, you know, we read too fast a lot of times when we're in our personal study. Brothers and sisters. And that's why we read it many times. <laughs> we read it over and over and over and we break it all the way down. Because if you, if you skim through it, you can miss key details. Read Genesis 27 and 21, brother, please. Genesis 27 verse 21. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may fill thee, my son. Whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, What did he say? Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, What did he say? I am. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Do you see this? Do you see this? It was the hair that deceived him. He said the voice does not sound like Esau. That that voice doesn't sound like Esau, but the the hair. Let us show you something, brothers and sisters. Let us go up to let's go to verse jump up to verse 15. Through 17. Genesis 27 verse 15. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands. What hand. did she put upon his hands? And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. Now look at that. The same thing that his sons did. They slaughtered a, a goat and dipped jo Joseph's coat in the blood of a goat. His father or their father was deceived based on what? A goat, brothers and sisters. The same thing that he had done. The same exact thing that he had done. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. The same way he deceived his father, he was deceived by his seed, by his son. See, brothers and sisters, this is not coincidence, okay? You're learning the Most High today. You're learning His style of judgment today, okay? And what better than to deal with us, see? 
to deal with our own people instead of looking at the white man and this and that. No, let's go back to our forefather to show you. Because if anybody needs to learn this, it's the children of Israel. You need to know your God. You need to know his style of judgment. And we're seeing it. Jump back to verse 21 because there's more. We're showing you his style of judgment. First, we showed you how he was deceived, right? By, by Laban. To what? To marry the elder daughter when he really wanted the, the younger daughter, right? Now we're showing you that the same way in which he deceived Isaac, putting the, 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 the goat skin on his hands, his sons slaughtered a goat, used the blood to dip Joseph's, uh, you know, his coat into it. That led to his deception. Now go back to Genesis 27 and 21, brother. Listen closely, brothers and sisters. Genesis 27, verse 21. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So what was the determining factor in the deception? It was the hands. Verse 23. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. So he did what? So he blessed him. Look at the next verse. Verse 24. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? He asked him flat out. And he said, I am. Now, is that right, brothers and sisters? No, it's not right. Even though we're the Israelites, we, we're men and women of God. We know right from wrong. And here we read that our father was unnecessarily disingenuous. See, the text magnifies Jacob's misrepresentation of himself cleaving to the identity of his brother. See, brothers and sisters, we understand this, but nevertheless, the blessing is, is ours. Okay? But we're not saying that the way in which the blessing was obtained was right, because Jacob didn't have to do this. The Most High would have bestowed that blessing on us by promise, not by acts, not by works. Let us show you something, because here it was. Read 24 one more time, please, brother. Genesis 27, verse 24. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. He said, I am. Now, brothers and sisters, let's go to Galatians 6 and 7. Let's go to the New Testament now. We're at Galatians, the 6th chapter, the 7th verse. What does that say, brother? Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The world operates under the law of cause and effect. Brothers and sisters, could you read that again? Verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So look at that. Every action produces an effect, brothers and sisters. Such as the seed sown, so much will be the harvest garden, brothers and sisters. So every time we choose an action, we also choose the consequences of that action, according to the text. Do you see that? So any seed that you sow, that will be the same seed that you garden, that you that, that you harvest. So if I put an apple seed into the ground, an apple tree comes up, okay? Not an orange tree. <laughs> you reap what you sow, right? 
Now, let us show you. Let's go to Revelations 2 and 9, because we already established that what? In Genesis 27 and 24, he asked him flat out, are you Esau? And our father said, I am, right? So now, look at what, look at the reciprocation, brothers and sisters. Revelation 2, verse 9. What's that say, brother? I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty. But thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which they which say they are Jews. I know what? But I know, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. Which say what, brother? Which say they are Jews, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. See, so the text implies a reciprocation for our father's disingenuous behavior. See? There are natural consequences to our actions. The text magnifies what we call the law of harvest. Our father did it first, right? Saying he was Esau. And now you have Esau saying he's Jacob. <laughs> See, you're learning his style of judgment now. So we're learning that what reaping and sowing can, can, can transfer to generations. Okay? Because we're, <laughs> look how far removed we are from Genesis 27. Right? Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Here it is in Revelations, and we're still reaping what our father sowed. Okay? You see that, brothers and sisters? Every decision made comes coupled with future implications. Let's read it again, please, brother. Revelation 2, verse 9. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. See, so the text proves that an ill-advised decision could affect us for generations to come. Where do you think they got the idea from, brothers and sisters? He said, I know the bold-faced lie of them who say they are Jews and are not, but worship Satan. See, so the people that actually took our identity are those who worship the devil, who worship Satan. Where did they get the idea? They got the idea from our father in Genesis claiming to be Esau when it wasn't needed. But nevertheless, even though you got the blessing, you still have to reap. You still. There's no way that you can sow and not reap. And our people have to understand that. We're the only people who think you can do the wrong thing and get the right, you know, the right harvest. We're the only people who believe that. We showed you what? We showed you his style of judgment where he... Claimed to be his brother, right? Received the blessing disingenuously, right? And then what happened? He was taken advantage of to work 14 years being tricked into marrying, laying down with the elder sister, which was Leah, when he, when he wanted Rachel, right? And then after that, once he was married and had children, his sons, where there was envy, there was some envy amongst the brethren, they did what? They took the coat off Joseph, his favorite son, sold him into slavery, ripped his jacket, and dipped goat's blood on it and took it to their father. The same goat, <laughs> the same instrument that was used by Jacob to do what? To deceive his father Isaac. This was not coincidence, brothers and sisters. See, coincidence is what happens in your mind when you really don't want to think. So you just chalk it up to coincidence. 
And we do this in life. A lot of things are going on all in life and you think it's a coincidence. See, that is the easy way out. Because if it's not coincidence, what does it mean? See? Nothing happens by coincidence, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Isaiah, brother. Because we've got to show you something. The Bible tells you that there will be another people referring to themselves as Israel. But, examine this prophecy. Isaiah 44, verse 5. One shall say. What shall he say? I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord. And surname himself by the name of Israel. Brothers and sisters, you listening to this podcast right now. Is prophecy being fulfilled? Because this scripture is telling you that our people would start to claim to be Israelites. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. One shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. I'm the son of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord. And surname himself by the name of Israel. Now you got Hispanic, black, and native people claiming Jacob as their father. So, brothers and sisters, comprehension of said truth should come with some understanding, right? Being an Israelite, brothers and sisters, means there's a thin line between being blessed and being cursed, okay? It would behoove each of us to pay attention to what we're getting ready to read, okay? Because it's telling you that our people would wake up and start claiming the lineage of of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, if you're going to claim that lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you need to understand a few things. And we're going to help you, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Deuteronomy 27. Because there's a thin line between being blessed and being cursed when you are a Israelite, an ethnic Israelite, okay? Deuteronomy 27, verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 10. This is right before going into the land, brothers and sisters. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Listen, Israel, to this day you're becoming the people of the Most High God, right? So this is the beginning. Verse 10, Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God, and do his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people, when ye are come over Jordan, Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Joseph, and Benjamin. So here it was, the brothers and sisters, the division of the tribes between two mountains. This is what you're seeing. He said, These, read 12 one more time, brother. Deuteronomy. 27 verse 12 These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when ye are come over Jordan, Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. Continue And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse So here it was, he said I need these brothers, these children of these tribes to stand on one mountain 
to do what? To bless. And I need these other tribes to stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. Read 13 one more time, brother, because according to this text, you could not enter into the promised land without being exposed to either a blessing or a curse. So he, he split us up on two different mountains and said, you pronounce blessings, you pronounce curses. So there is no middle. When you go in this land, you're either going to be cursed or you're going to be blessed. And our people need to understand that. Okay? Stop trying to walk that, you know, that middle line. There is no middle line. And Moses is showing us here, before you get the blessing, <laughs> the blessing is going to expose you, you know, to a curse. All blessings expose you to a curse, brothers and sisters. That's how it is. Here it was. We were going to receive the promised land. But he said, if you don't operate properly with this blessing, it will turn into a curse. Read that one more time, brother. Let's actually jump back to 12 because I don't want brothers and sisters to miss this. What we're seeing is that we're either going to be blessed or cursed. Why? Because no blessing goes unchallenged. There's no way to receive a blessing without also being exposed to a curse, brothers and sisters. Let us show you. Deuteronomy 27, verse 12. These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When ye are come over Jordan, Simeon, the Aborigines of Australia, and Levi, the Haitians, and Judah, the Negroes, and Issachar, the Mexicans, and Joseph, those are your black Guatainos, your Puerto Ricans, and Benjamin, the West Indies, Jamaica. Verse 13, and these shall stand upon Mount Abal to curse. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> we just wanted to show you what? He split us up and said, pronounce curses or blessings before you receive this land. See, so there is no middle ground. Why do we go there? Because remember, Isaiah said that these people, you know, there will be some people that would wake up and start claiming to be Israel. Okay, well, if I'm Israel, this is one of the, the most important things I need to know. There's either going to be blessings or curses. You're either going to be the head or... Or the tail. You won't be the... There's no middle for you. Okay? So we need to learn that. Let's go to Malachi, brother. Two and two. We're standing in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to Malachi, the second chapter, the second verse. What's that say, brother? Malachi, two, verse two. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name... Saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. I will what? I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Now look at that right there. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, from the top, please. Malachi 2, verse 2. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. I will what, brother? I will curse your blessings. Yeah, I have cursed them already. Because ye do not lay it to heart. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. It's telling you that if a temporal blessing is misappropriated, it will mutate into a deadly pathogen. Brothers and sisters, what we're reading is the result of negligence, the, the misappropriation of a blessing. This is what he's showing. He's telling you the very thing that was supposed to be a blessing to you will become a curse. 
You see this, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, please, brother Christopher. Verse 2. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yeah, I have cursed them already, because ye did not lay it to heart. The very thing that he gave as a blessing will now become the source of your misfortune. Why did we go there? Because our people, it's a blessing to be Israelites, but it comes with another side. See, this is what he's telling you. If you misappropriate that blessing, I will turn it against you. See, so we can't claim to be Israel and rulership in the promised land without going into the other end. Because you cannot be blessed without also exposing yourself to a curse for negligence. Brothers and sisters, see that? That's what we're going to learn today. But why? Because we're learning the Most High God. We're learning about the Most High God, who's a jealous God. Yes, we know we're Israelites. But understand, to whom much is given, much is required. And the same thing he delivered as a blessing unto me, or unto us, can be turned into a curse if it's misappropriated, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Psalms. We're going to Psalms, chapter 69. We're going to have Brother Christopher read verse 22. Psalms 69, verse 22. What's that saying, brother? Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Look at that. See, the text magnifies how a blessing can be pivoted into the source of a curse. See? The psalm gives this as an injunction against misappropriation. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 22. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. See, so the text implies suggested trepidation in regards to the improper use of a God-given blessing. Understanding this should have all of us have some level of trepidation. When the Most High is giving me something, He's blessing me. If I don't move carefully, if I don't move properly in the eyes of the Most High God, that very thing that was supposed to be a source of blessing will now be turned on my back, brothers and sisters. See, you're learning. Here it is. You're learning the Most High's style of judgment. Why? Because He's a jealous God. See, let their table become a snare. So the very thing that should have nourished them, <laughs> see, that very thing, the thing that should have been for their welfare now becomes a trap. You're learning about the most high brothers and sisters. See, do you see that? So now the question is, brothers and sisters, how do you break a curse? Right? Because Israelites get cursed all the time. We're still under some curses, brothers and sisters. And what I've learned is that there's many people who know they're under certain curses and all that, generational curses and all that in their family, and they're living with it. You're not supposed to live with it. You're supposed to do something about it. You're supposed to break it, okay? There is a way to break curses, brothers and sisters, but our people need to know about curses, Right? We need to know about blessing. If you're going to be an Israelite, you need to know both sides. 
And we're going to do that today. Let's go to Ezekiel 33 and 15, because the question is, how do you break a curse? It's it's here in the uh, Tanakh. Let's go to Ezekiel 33. We're going to have Brother Christopher read verse 15. Ezekiel 33, verse 15. If the wicked restore the pledge. If what? If the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Here we read the method required to be released from a curse, brothers and sisters. In order to, in order for a curse to relinquish its custody, there must be a restoration. Could you read that again from the top, brother? Verse 15. If the wicked restore the pledge. If what? If the wicked restore the pledge. The author teaches how to eliminate a curse's legal right to custody. The first thing you have to do is restore the pledge that brought forth the curse. Then what? Give again that he had robbed. Walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. So it's telling you restore whatever it was. That brought forth the curse and then walk without committing iniquity. Well, that means iniquity is invisible sin. So once, you know, once the, once you've restored the pledge, brothers and sisters, don't walk back into that trap. Because once you've been cursed once, it becomes easier to be cursed going forward, brothers and sisters. And Ezekiel already understood this. See, Ezekiel understood this. Read the beginning again, please, brother. Ezekiel. 33, verse 15. If the wicked restore the pledge. If the wicked restore the pledge, brothers and sisters, that is the key. In order to break a curse, you must restore the pledge. Whatever it was that brought forth the curse, brothers and sisters, you now must restore that. There must be restoration. This is the only way, brothers and sisters. And guess what? We will now read an example of the redemptive process. If the wicked restore the pledge, because I promise you what, Christ understood this. Christ understood. He understood how to curse and he understood how to break curses. What do, you, what do we mean? We, he understood how to curse. Did he not curse the fig tree? And then he said what? He said to the disciples, you'll do greater things. So he gave us the power to curse also, brothers and sisters. See? Let us show you. Let's go to Matthew 26. In 69. Because Peter. Brought a curse on himself. So let's first go to the establishment. Of the curse. And then to the restoration. The freedom. The liberation. We're going to Matthew 26. And 69. We're going to have brother Christopher read. Verse 69 through 74. Listen closely please. Matthew 26. Verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Saying what? Thou also was with Christ of Galilee. This is while Christ is, you know, after Christ is being beat, whipped, and, 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 and hung on a cross. Now they're like, well, this brother, he was one of the disciples of Christ. Verse 70. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. So here it was. Peter was petrified. He was scared. So now he's denying that he have a new Christ. Verse 71. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him 
and said unto them that were with, that were there, This fellow was also with Christ of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Now remember, Christ said, Let your nay be let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Here it was now. He's 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 attaching an oath to it. Instead of just saying yes or no, as Christ told us to do, now he's moving into oaths, right? Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 72. And again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter. What did they say? Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bewrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. So thrice, three times did he deny Christ. Right? Remember that, brothers and sisters. Because why? When Christ chooses us to be disciples, he has, he's already foreseen future failures. He's already seen this. But here it was, the man who he said, I'm going to build my church on. <laughs> is now doing what? Denying Christ. And, and guess what? Peter understood that that gave a curse legal custody or legal right to him. See? Denying Christ. Let us show you. Because Christ said so himself. Let's go to Matthew, the 10th chapter, the 33rd verse. What's that say, brother? Matthew 10, verse 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Look at that, brothers and sisters. See, so this particular text proves that Peter's denial gave merit to the pursuit of a curse. You see this, brothers and sisters? Peter's denunciation gave legal provision to issue a warrant for his apprehension. See, read that one more time, brother. Verse 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now look at that, because brothers and sisters, remember before, Ezekiel told us how to what? How to break a curse. Remember, remember, a restoration of the pledge was required for redemption, brothers and sisters, right? A restoration. So let's see. Let's, matter of fact, let's prove that Christ understood this. Peter likely did not understand this, but Christ did. Let's go to John 21. Let's go to John 21, verse 15. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Let us show you that Christ understood how to break curses. John 21 and 15. We're going to read 15 through 19. John 21, verse 15. So when they had died, Christ said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now this is already after he denied, right? So after he denied, Christ had found him, right? You know, because Christ was on earth, I believe it was 40 days after he had died and risen, brothers and sisters. And one of his main things is to go find Peter. I need to go restore Peter. Why? Because he's already, he's dejected now. He's already got a curse pursuing him. Can you read that again, brother, please? Verse 15. So when they had died, Christ said to Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than the rest? He saith unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. What did he say? He saith unto him, What did he tell Peter? Feed my lambs. Continue. He saith to him again the second time. The second time? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Do you love me? He saith unto him, What did he say, brother? Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. So, brothers and sisters, do you see what's going on here? Maybe you'll see it in verse 17. Continue, brother. Verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Christ saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Brothers and sisters, did you catch that? This is called the restoration of Peter. And this text proves that Christ understood how to dismantle the legal right of a curse. See? Christ here shows his understanding for the stipulations of curse custody. If the wicked restore the pledge. See? So he went to Peter in order to help him restore, be restored, brothers and sisters. The very thing that brought the curse on Peter, which was denying Christ, Christ gave him an opportunity to what? See? To atone, right? To erase, to exterminate that the, the legal right that the curse had for custody, brothers and sisters. See, so this was the active application of pledge restoration. What we just read, verse 15 through 19. Excuse me, brothers and sisters. Continue. John 21, verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Continue. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And, we had, and when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, What did he say? Follow me. Now, brothers and sisters, Christ was telling Peter, you know, you're going to have to follow me. And your death is not going to be a glorified death. Okay, you're going to have to deal with a lot. Now, guess what? Peter was strengthened now. So Christ had to restore the pledge because why? Peter had been knocked down, dejected, depressed. Right? And he had a curse coming to him. Why? Because Christ said himself, I'm going to deny, I deny anyone who denied me, I deny before God. If that's not a curse, I don't, I don't know what is, brothers and sisters. See? So Christ understood, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again that he have robbed. So whatever you did that brought forth this curse, you now have to go restore it. You, you have to restore it. That's the only way. And Christ understood this, brothers and sisters. Christ understood how to break a curse. And we're going to talk about it. Let's go to Proverbs, brother, 26 and 2. Follow us there. Because you must know this first. Proverbs 26, verse 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, 
So the cursed causeless shall not come. So the what, brother? So the cursed causeless shall not come. Look at that. Look at that, brothers and sisters. According to the author, curses come to rest on men for good cause. Every effect carries a cause. Brothers and sisters, there are no undeserved curses. The text is telling you there's no such thing as a causeless curse. <laughs> See, read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. See, so trouble from the Most High falls on no man without merit, brothers and sisters. Now, why are we bringing this up? It's critical to breaking a curse because you cannot restore a pledge if you're not cognizant of the infringement. See, brothers and sisters, how can you restore a pledge if you don't know if you believe a curse is causeless? See that? So discover the cause before you can deal with the curse, brothers and sisters. In order to be released from a curse, it's important to discover its source. And we're going to talk about a few sources today, brothers and sisters. Okay? Let's go to Jeremiah, brother Christopher. We're going to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, the 5th and 6th verse. Because we're talking about a lot of these curses showing you what some of the, you know, some of the most common curses come from. Okay. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, this introduction emphasizes the certainty of that which comes subsequent. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. So look at that. To turn towards something other than the Most High is to turn away from the Most High. It says, Cursed is a man that trusts in man. That's even yourself. That's not always someone outside of yourself. It says, Make flesh your arm. So make something outside of the most high your strength, believing you can do certain things or somebody else can make you do certain things or give you certain things. That brings forth a curse because your faith is in the wrong place. Read that one more time, please, brother, because when our trust is placed in the wrong direction, a curse comes subsequent. It's guaranteed. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus saith the Lord. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Continue. For he shall be like the heat in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Look at that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> the desert shrub is a metaphor for a person living under harsh circumstances. It says, he shall be like a heath in the desert. <laughs> okay, so when the author refers to desert shrubs, he's implying lack of productivity. You see? <laughs> not, not being fruitful. You understand? Let's read those two scriptures again, brother, please. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. 
For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. Inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. In a salt land and not inhabited. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. This lack of what production gives us evidence of a curse for the improper placement of our trust. When it says that this, this desert bush, this heath, right, will inhabit the parched places, the dry places in the wilderness, in a salt land. You see that, brothers and sisters? All of what we just read is is pointing to what? A lack of productivity, a lack of fruitfulness. So according to the author, when we are cursed, we can expect to live a marginal existence. See? It says, and he shall not see when good cometh. So blessings is going all around everywhere else around you, but not on you. You see that, brothers and sisters? We're showing you where did it begin. It began with you trusting in something other than the most high, whether that's to get you through something or your happiness. You know, you, you trust in something else for your happiness or your satisfaction. Right behind that comes a curse, brothers and sisters. Right behind that. Let's prove that. Let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms, Brother Christopher. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 32, verse 10. Because remember, the author in Proverbs told us what? There's no such thing as a causeless curse. And we already le learned that what? You have to restore the pledge in order to break a curse. So here it is. We're going to go into some of the more common foundations or one of the more common things that give curses legal custodianship over you. They give you legal right. Why? Because if this is if this is where the curse began, you know how to restore the pledge. Brothers and sisters, we're not going to allow our people to live on in curses any longer unless they want to. Okay? Let's go to Psalms 32 and 10, brother. Psalms 32, verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Brothers and sisters, those who refuse to submit will experience bitter sorrows. How do we know? Let's read that again, brother. Verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord... Now look at that, brothers and sisters. The psalmist defines wickedness as not trusting in the Lord. <laughs> Read that again, brother. Verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Sorrows go to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Look at that. This is most encouraging and consolatory, the mercy, brothers and sisters. But I want you to really notice how it caused... The people wicked who don't trust in the Most High. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Do you see? You're wicked if you don't trust the Most High. There is no in-between, okay? Many sorrows go to the wicked. Who are the wicked? Those who don't trust in the Most High. You trust in flesh. You trust in your own strength. You trust in that job. You trust in that relationship. You trust in that car. All of that brings a curse. Brothers and sisters, and we're showing you here that those who resist instruction and reform are attended to by many sorrows and afflictions, brothers and sisters. 
A lack of peace is evidence of a curse for the improper placement of trust, brothers and sisters. That's the Bible. That's, that's Psalm saying that. The Commandment Keepers Church did not make that up, brothers and sisters. We didn't publish this book. We didn't write this book. We just read it. So we're showing you, brothers and sisters, you're learning a lot about the Most High and His style of judgment. And especially if you're an Israelite, you understand that what? According to the Torah, before we received the Promised Land, He split up the tribes. Half of those tribes were to pronounce blessings for obedience and half were to pronounce curses for disobedience. So when we went in that land, you were either going to be blessed or you're going to be cursed. And that's how it is for us, brothers and sisters. And if you happen to be cursed, we're going to show you how to break the curse. Well, the Bible is going to show that. We're going to, we're going to utilize the Bible to show how to break a curse. And you must restore the pledge. You can't restore a pledge if you don't know the source of the curse. Let's go to Isaiah 26 and 3, brother, because we said that a lack of peace is evidence of a curse for the improper placement of trust, right? Let's prove that. Isaiah, the 26th chapter, the third verse. Isaiah 26, verse 3. What's that saying, brother? Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Mm. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, peace is a gift from the Most High God only awarded to the submissive. Do you see? Our lack of peace is evidence of our separation from the Most High God, according to the text. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why, brother? Because he trusteth in thee. Why? Because he trusted in thee. See? Often, a double mind is a troubled mind, brothers and sisters. You see that? And it began with what? Him telling us that if you trust in man, you put your faith in things that are created. What happens? A curse comes subsequent to that. And then he told us that what? The wicked are people who don't trust him. They trust that they know best. They trust that they need to get involved. And that the Most High doesn't know how to handle it. A curse comes with that, brothers and sisters. And then Isaiah 26 and 3 summed it all up. Can you read that again, brother? Isaiah 26 verse 3. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusted in thee. Showing you what, brothers and sisters? It's showing you that peace is a gift for those who trust him. How do we know who trusts him? Because their mind is stayed on thee. Do you see? You see that, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Psalms, brother. 127 and 1. A Jealous God is the title of today's lesson. Psalms 127 verse 1. A song of degrees for Solomon. Except the Lord build the house. If what, brother? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. 
Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Brothers and sisters, this statement is universal and designed to indicate a universal dependence on the Most High. When it talks about building a house, it's talking about building a life. Brothers and sisters, that's what it's referring to. Could you read that part again, brother? Verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So according to the text, failure is predictable, brothers and sisters. Do you see that? The most diligent and persistent will prove unsuccessful without his blessings. Read the next scripture, brother, please. Verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. He giveth his beloved sleep. So you have to do all that extra stuff when you haven't consulted with him. You see that, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. So those led by the most high work half as hard and get twice as much. That's what the scriptures are showing us, brothers and sisters. The text highlights the resistance we experience when going contrary to his direction. Except the most high build the house. Your building is in vain. You see? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms, the 37th chapter, the 3rd through the 5th verse. Because remember, the curse came from what? Trusting in man, making flesh your strength. And that man is not always outside of yourself. It's talking about trusting in something created. Why? Why? <clears throat> Why not trust he who have not been created? Right? See? Read verse 3, please, brother. Psalms 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and barely thou shalt be fed. Now, brothers and sisters, listen to this closely. Because here we're reading how to restore the pledge in order to break that curse. Remember, you have to restore the, the pledge in order to break the curse. Where did the curse come from? Putting your trust in man. Read verse 3 again, please, brother. Verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and barely thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. See, so trust is the operative word here. Brothers and sisters, when anything is repeated in the Bible, it elevates its level of importance, okay? So, seeking happiness in the Most High regulates our desires leading to answered prayers. That's what the scriptures are showing us, brothers and sisters. If the Most High does not answer any of our prayers, a curse may be applicable. Okay? Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Do you see that? Trust, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 34 and 9. Just a few chapters over. Psalms 
34, verse 9. What's that saying, brother? Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Look at that. See? They who seek their advancement from the hand of the Most High will never want. Read that again, brother, from the top, please. Verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. There is no want <laughs> to them that fear him. Why? Because he's already providing what they want. Continue. Verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Mm. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, learn to trace the acquisition of all goodness to its proper source. See? The godly by their patient obedience profit more than they who persistently toil. Young lions, brothers and sisters, not old lions, young lions, full of energy. <laughs> See? The people with all the energy that want to, you know, take things into their own hands, those are the ones that lack. Those are the ones that suffer hunger. But they who seek the most high... They don't want any good thing. Why? Because the Most High has given them everything that they need. See that? Now, let's go to Exodus 10 and 3 because why? We're going into some of the most common sources, right? The most common sources of a curse. What was the source of the curse? We're showing you the most common amongst our nation. We dealt with the first one, which is a lack of faith, a lack of trust in the Most High, trusting in everything and, you know, everything and everyone more than the Most High. That brings a curse swiftly. Let's go to Exodus 10 and 3. Exodus 10 verse 3. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews. How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? How what, brother? How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring the locusts unto thy coast. Now, brothers and sisters, here it is. What are we speaking of? We're speaking of pride. The curse of self the curse of self-exaltation. See? The proof that refusal to humble ourselves brings a curse. Let us show you. Read that again, brother. Verse 3. Exodus 10, verse 3. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews. What did he say? How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? How long will you refuse to humble yourself? Let my people go. That they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go. If you refuse to humble yourself. Behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast. It was the locusts a curse, brothers and sisters? <laughs> See, he's saying refusal to humble yourself will bring a curse. The same way it did to Pharaoh. So, brothers and sisters, what we're seeing is pride is it's practical atheism, brothers and sisters. Pride is a condition of the heart in which a person has supplanted the rule of God with his own will. 
that brings a curse. He's showing it here in Exodus. How long do you refuse to humble yourself? See? Let's go to Psalms 119 and 21, brother. Because we're showing you pride brings a curse. And that's common amongst our people. How do you break a curse? Restore the pledge. Restore the pledge. Restore the pledge. Psalms 119 verse 21. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. Read that again, brother. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. That are blessed. That are cursed. Which do err from thy commandments. According to the psalmist, uh, perpetual obstinacy is awarded with a curse, brothers and sisters. See, we're reading one of the most common progenitors of curses. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 21. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. So, brothers and sisters, according to the literature, it is pride that causes us to disregard having heavenly instructions. You see that? It tells you that pride, the proud are cursed. And they do err from the commandments. So there's no way to be a carrier of pride and not err from the commandments. <laughs> see? Now, our people struggle mightily with pride, brothers and sisters. Stiff-necked, obstinate. Braggadocious, boastful, all those things. Let's go to Jeremiah 13, Brother Christopher. Follow us to Jeremiah, the 13th chapter, the 15th and 16th verses. Jeremiah 13, verse 15. Hear ye and give ear, be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he caused darkness. Before what? Before he caused darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while ye look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. Brothers and sisters, these two scriptures tell us that proud people breed sorrows for themselves. Read 15 one more time, please, brother, because this warning is directed primarily against the pride of our people. Verse 15. Hear ye and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God. Why? Before he caused darkness. Before what, brother? Before he caused darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains and... While ye look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. Brothers and sisters, what is symbolized here is the gathering darkness of the wrath of God. Do you see that? So according to the author, pride has to be reciprocated with wrath. He said, listen, listen up, people who are proud, the proud, right? They said, you need to humble yourself before he caused darkness. And you, you began to stumble upon dark mountains. So, brothers and sisters, what is that telling us? It's telling us to humble yourself before you're met with great obstacles. See? 
while looking for prosperity and success, you find anything but. You see, while you're looking for light, he turned it into gross darkness. You see that, brothers and sisters? If the wicked restore the pledge, we're showing you the things that are guaranteed to bring forth a curse. Guaranteed. Let's go to Proverbs 29 and 23, brother. Proverbs, the 29th chapter, the 23rd verse. Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. Read that again, brother, please. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Look at that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> According to the text, pride is a repellent to good success. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. Let's read that again, brother. Verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, mm. but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. See, so the Bible forewarns that calamity will befall the proud, brothers and sisters. And I always tell sisters to stay away from men, you know, dealing with the possession of pride because they're showing you their financial future. The Most High is going to keep him humble by hook or by crook. So that's what I tell the daughters of Zion. And brothers, the same thing I'm saying, you know, is pride, brothers and sisters. Pride is something that we struggle with and it's guaranteed to bring you love, brothers and sisters. It's a guarantee. So we're just showing you, brothers and sisters, how to break the curse instead of live with the curse. The Bible said there's no such thing as a causeless curse. Well, we wanted to help you out and show you some causes for curses in our community. Let's go to Proverbs, brother, 18 and 12. Just a few chapters over. Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 12th verse. What's that say, brother? Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. According to the manuscript, brothers and sisters, destruction is a choice. Do you see that? Can you read that again, brother? Verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Perpetual calamity and afflictions are pursuers of pride, brothers and sisters. Humility. Is a prerequisite to receiving the blessings only the Most High can regulate. That's what the text is telling us. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Before honor what, brother? And before honor is humility. See? So we're going into the most common causes for curses and how to demand your release. Brothers and sisters, curses will continue until something is done to cut them off. We're showing you how to cut the head off the snake. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to Zachariah, brother, because why? We're going into the most common causes for curses amongst our people. We find one in Zachariah. Zechariah, the fifth chapter, the first through the fourth verse. Zechariah, 
5 verse 1. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a flying roll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. So this scroll was approximately 15 by 30 feet, brothers and sisters. Verse 3. Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. This was what? This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that stilleth shall be cut off as, as on this side according to it. And everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. So you had two sides on this scroll, brothers and sisters. The Most High promised to cause his curse to seek out the guilty and bring judgment on them. Read verse 3 one more time, brother. Verse 3. Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that stilleth shall be cut off as on this side according to it. And everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. Continue. I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name. And they shall remain in the midst of his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. Brothers and sisters, do you see this? Because the author has given us the two most common behaviors of people that inevitably bring a curse. The text on the scrolls indicates the Most High will curse any who commit these sins. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? Why? Because Israel needs to realize that sin will still bring inevitable divine punishment on us. He said that he said that a curse would follow or, or, or pursue a person who is a thief, right? And a person who swears falsely by his name, which is saying, yeah, I'm for the Most High. I represent the Most High, but my behavior is completely different. Let us show you what that stealing is when he talks about a thief, right? Let's go to Malachi 3 and 8, because he said that he will bring a curse on a thief. Let us show you what that scripture means. Malachi, the third chapter, the eighth through the tenth verse. What does that say, brother? Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Brothers and sisters, according to the author, the misappropriation of the Most High's resources brings a swift curse. You see that? The Most High considered a lack of financial commitment to his cause robbery. Now, we're not saying you got to find a church and give tithes and offering, brothers and sisters. But he's looking at how you're utilizing his money. When it comes up to something for him, are you cutting corners? 
The same corners that you don't cut when you're doing something for somebody else or for yourself. That's robbery. See that, brothers and sisters? So according to the text, the mismanagement of God's given resources brings forth a curse. That's, what, that's the thief that he was speaking of, brothers and sisters. Money can be either a symbol of selfishness or a token of selflessness, depending on how we use it. Brothers and sisters, if we misuse our resources, it brings us upon the severest judgment of the Most High. Do you see this? He said, every person who robs me will be cursed. It will, it will follow them into the house. It will seek them into the house. So when it comes time for the Most High's work and to do something for the Most High, you don't cut corners. You cut corners somewhere else. Or you're going to bring forth a curse on your finances. This is what he's showing, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Haggai 1 and 5. Because we're showing you, brothers and sisters, there's no such thing as a causeless curse. And we're trying to find out a lot of, we're dealing with a lot of this in our communities. How do we break these curses if there's a curse on my finances, right? If there's a curse on my life. If there's a curse on, on, on certain things, brothers and sisters, right? Let's read Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. Haggai 1, verse 5. Now therefore saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a warning to examine our actions. Haggai paints a vivid picture of our economic and social distress. He's saying you're doing a lot of work, but you're bringing in little. You're eating, but you're still hungry. You're drinking, but you're not filled. What is he showing, brothers and sisters? He's showing you the residual effects of the curse. That what? You'll never be satisfied. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 6. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages... Earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You're earning wages to put in a bag full of holes. So it's like you're throwing, you're doing all this extra, you know, cutting and doing this and doing all that, but you can't get ahead. They said your bag that you, you, you're doing all this in, it, it has holes in it. See, he's showing you the curse, brothers and sisters. He told you where the curse came from. He's showing you the residual effect of the curse, right? And now he's going to tell you how to break the curse. Continue, brother. Haggai 1 verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Now look at this. Look at this, brothers and sisters. By putting the most high's will first. He blesses our secondary matters of life. How do we know? Read verse 9, brother, please. Verse 9. Ye look for much, and, lo, 
it came to little. And when he brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. Mm. Look at that, brothers and sisters. You said all that work you doing. It came to nothing. I blew it down. Right when you thought you had it, I blew it down like a car, uh, house of cards. He said, why? Because of my house, that's waste. Everybody run and say, well, I got to do what's right for me and my family and for my life. He's like, what about, what about my work? You're not worried about my work? I'll blow this whole thing down then. See that, brothers and sisters? So he's showing you. He's showing you, brothers and sisters. And our people of fame, especially where I'm from, talking about, you know, saying, well, listen, I'm just worried about me and my house, my family. That's what I'm worried about. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Understand that usually people that think like that, the people who think like that are always in want. And we're going to prove that. Let's go to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 and 24, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Christopher read that. Proverbs 11 and 24. Because we, we've gone into the curse, right? And then we also have to show you how to break the curse, brothers and sisters. But let us show you the curse, where the curse came from. Zechariah told us, right? The Most High would curse thieves and robbers. Let's read verse 24 through 26, brother. Proverbs 11, verse 24. Listen closely because the Bible has the secret to financial wisdom. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. They withholdeth more than is necessary, brothers and sisters. So I need you to really grasp this financial rule. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. So there's a person who is very liberal with them, you know, utilizing their money for the most high. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. So it's showing you that the people that are usually clenched fist when it comes to the most high always need money. Continue. Verse 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But the blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Because these verses give us the divine plan for increase. He who greedily seeks to keep all for himself will find his course has led him to complete ruin. Brothers and sisters, the Bible teaches us that great blessings follow those who give liberally. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? Let's start at the top. What's 24 say, brother? Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increases. So here it is, a brother or a sister who, you know, who are not selfish, who, who, who is always looking to help. You know, do what the Most High says. And then you have another. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat. One, one brother keeping holding on to more than what he needs to hold on to. But it tendeth to poverty. Look at that. So such a man is often brought to beggary. That's what it's teaching us, brothers and sisters. 
Somehow you have a brother or sister who doesn't have much, but uses it, uses it for the most high, and yet he keeps increasing. And then you have somebody else who tries to take the shortcut everywhere around when it comes to doing something for the most high. And those are the same ones begging for money. That's what it shows you. See? So the question is, how do we restore the pledge? Right? If there's a curse on my finances, based on the most high believing that I've robbed him by putting myself and all this other stuff before him, how do I break this curse? Proverbs 3 and 9. Because we're not going to tell you about a curse and not give you the answer on how to break it. Proverbs 3 and 9 is how you restore the pledge. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. With what? With thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Read that from the top, please, brother. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. That's key right there. We're to honor the Most High God in the expenditure of our substance. He didn't say with your mouth. Because cheap talk is cheap. He's saying, put your money where your mouth is. Honor me with your resources. Continue. Will you read it from the top, please, brother? Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And with what, brother? And with the first fruits of all thine increase. The first fruits of your increase, see? So giving him leftovers. Whether large or small is not honor, and it does not fulfill this proverb, brothers and sisters. So first is paying God before anyone else, including yourself. See? Freely expending your resources in a pious and charitable manner. See, we're not talking about tithes and offering. That's not what we're talking about, brothers and sisters. We're talking about utilizing your resources in a pious and charitable manner. For the most high. And then what happens? What's the response to that? Continue, brother. Verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Look at that. <laughs> Here are the descriptive phrases of financial blessings and economic prosperity. Then shall your barns be filled with plenty. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The law of financial reward is as true as the law of gravity. Brothers and sisters, honor the Most High by giving him his portion. He will bless you financially. He guarantees it. So he's telling you, if I put a curse on your finances, then restore the pledge. Why did I put a curse on your finances? Because you was operating with what I gave you in a manner that wasn't conducive to building my kingdom. See, that's what Lord means owner, brothers and sisters. The most high is the landlord. That's where landlord comes from. That means he's the owner of the land. The most high owns everything. We're just stewards, brothers and sisters. How you operate with money shows whose money you believe it actually is. See, that's the key. If a man's not faithful with the little mammon, who will give him true riches, the Bible tells you? Money has always been a test of faithfulness, brothers and sisters, for the most high. 
Will you use that? Will you use the money to buy the things that benefit the most high, whether that's books or, or, or you know, get, feeding the homeless, whatever it is, brothers and sisters, whatever the most high have for you to do, will you take the cheap route out? When it comes to the holy days, do you take the cheap route out? When it comes to sacrificing for the most high. But when it comes to those new Jordans, when it comes to uh, taking a girl out on a date, when it comes to getting your hair done, sisters, right? See? So here it is, brothers and sisters. The today's lesson was a jealous God. We learned a lot about the most high. We learned that what jealousy looks like. We learned that jealousy is connected to love, right? We learned that. We showed you his style of judgment. We also utilized the Bible to show that the children of Israel walk a very thin line between being cursed and being blessed. We also learned that in order to break a curse, you have to restore the pledge that was broken initially that gave a curse legal right to custody over you, right? See? So here it is, brothers and sisters. We went into some of the common, the progenitors of some of the most common curses amongst the children of Israel. I can't speak for other nations. It, it may be amongst other nations. I can only speak for us. There's certain common, you know, common things that go on amongst our community that is always reciprocated with the curse. And we needed to show our people how to break that curse, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to our last verse. Let's go to Luke, brother. Luke 10 and 25. We're going to read 25 through 37. We're going to end it here, brothers and sisters. Luke 10 and 25. Luke 10 verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him Saying, saying what, brother? Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You should love the Most High with all your heart. Go look at the Ten Commandments again, brothers and sisters. This was the major commandment. This was the commandment that all of the other ones had tentacles off of. Right? It starts here. Verse 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With half your heart. With all thy heart. With 25% of your heart. With all thy heart. And with all thy soul. And with all thy strength. And with all thy mind. And thy neighbor as thyself. And thy neighbor as thyself, right? And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Christ, And who is my neighbor? Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this. Christ told him, Listen, you love the Most High with all your heart and your neighbor. And what was the response of this brother? Verse 29. Verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Christ, And who is my neighbor? 
brothers and sisters, what we're reading here inspired this entire lesson. Here it was, a brother. The Most High is saying, love him with all your heart, right? Love your neighbor also. And look at this. A brother is looking for a loophole here. Well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> Continue, brother. Verse 30. And Christ answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He said, which one of these three was a neighbor? Continue. Verse 37. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Christ unto him, go and do thou likewise. Now, look at this, brothers and sisters, because... What I learned from reading this is that our people love to live in gray areas. Here was, he's speaking to Hebrews here. He said, listen, if you want eternal life, love the Most High God with everything in your being and love your neighbor. And this brother comes and says, well, who's my neighbor? It's not the white man, is it? It's not the African, is it? It's not the Asian, is it? It's not the Muslim, is it? See? So we have a tendency to look for loopholes and the consequences of that proclivity has been astronomical, brothers and sisters. I encourage our people to stop living in gray areas. Stop looking for loopholes because this is what we do. This is exactly what we do and it brings forth the curses that we're speaking of, brothers and sisters. It's like we look to, you know, how much can I get away with? What little can I do for God and still get into heaven? This is what we do, brothers and sisters. What, what little can I do and still get into heaven? How much can I get away with before, you know, being sentenced to hell? We look for loopholes. And guess what, brothers and sisters? There's no loopholes in love. Today's lesson. A jealous God. We went through a plethora of scriptures, brothers and sisters, on teaching different principles. And we encourage our people, all people, Jews and Gentiles, should be able to learn something from the, from the, the scriptures that we went into today. We encourage you to document these scriptures. Why? Because it's easier to study when you have the, the scriptures and everything documented. When you hear something, you only retain, you know, a short, a short percentage, a small percentage of what it is you heard, brothers and sisters. Hearing it one time, I think 
the percentages was like 40% that I retained by hearing it one time. But when you write it, when you're writing down scriptures or taking notes, brothers and sisters, it becomes a, a, upwards of 75, 85%. So we encourage you, brothers and sisters, take a listen, to, you know, take a listen and take a look at these scriptures we went into tonight. And the pieces that you can utilize, apply, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson, a jealous God. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.